Welcome to Ashamed of Thrones, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's uh, 2017 Sarin by the no Syrian God. government, which is a lot worse than the 2013 version, which, uh, you know, honestly wasn't that bad. Uh, no comment, <laughs> except move on. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, we are here today to talk about... Um, Episode 9 of Season 4 called Watchers on the Wall. So this is the climax of Season 4. Uh, what do you think? I mean, we uh, before I ask you that, my name is Doug. With me, as always, is Brian. How you doing, Brian? Doing good, Doug. Okay, Brian. And uh, yeah, this is a, uh, Episode 9, which is, you know, the series has set this up that the Episode 9s are the, you know, the money shot of the whole season. So do you feel like this lived up to it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is, a, I think, a top three episode for me. Oh, wow. So I didn't... So I, I will say that I really like this episode, but the stakes weren't huge. Uh, I, If I'm going to compare it to other uh, season finales, I, I think I liked uh, Blackwater uh, much better. And even, I think, Battle of the Bastards, even though that was crazy um, bullshit, the one that we saw for season seven. But yeah, it's it's very good. I enjoyed the shit out of it. Uh, and I, th- I think it lifted. I think Hardhome is my favorite. Second oh, yeah. would probably be Blackwater, and then third would probably be this one. Wow, that's high praise for you. So we'll see if you keep that consistency when you uh, rate it in Sanders form later. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the shit out of this. This is uh, Neil Marshall. Uh, he he makes great, I dare I say, trashy movies, or like let's say they're not going to be you know honored in any kind of um, award ceremony that your parents would watch. Uh, but he makes damn uh, awesome uh, action movies, um, or he did. I don't know. I haven't seen a Neil Marshall movie in a, uh, in a while. But uh, the shit he's made has been pretty good. I think The Descent was the first time I heard of him. Uh, that's a great movie. You should see it. Anyway, um, but this was written by D&D, so, but there wasn't a lot of talking, so I think that was a positive, you know? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree. That all, and even like the talking scenes... Some of them had the real potential to be stupid, but uh, given the amount of action in between, kind of forgive them, but you, you couldn't, I mean, they couldn't have, obviously, 60 straight minutes of just action. So, uh, yeah, this is a good episode, I think. Cool. So let's dive right in. Okay, so right. uh, we're at the top of the wall at night, and John and Sam are there on their patrol, which is part of their, I guess, uh, punishment for thinking outside the box when they said, hey, we should flood the, uh, uh, the tunnel sealed up, let it freeze. And... And Sam is instantly asking about Egret, specifically her feet. Fucking yeah, per- I noticed that. Fucking pervert. <laughs> yeah, you know, have you ever noticed if you go to the internet and type in any female celebrity's name, the third word that will always pop up is feet. Yeah, I mean, feet fetish is a thing. I don't want to judge people's fetishes because Lord knows you guys don't want to hear about mine, but still. Oh, God, uh, no, we don't. But yeah, I think it says more about the writers and the director, you know, like... Uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino famously mentions feet so much that it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that he's into, you know, foot porn. Maybe. Didn't uh, didn't Rex Ryan have a picture of his wife's feet on his desk? Yeah, that's a little. That's I mean, come on, you got to know that. You got to know. I don't care how famous and uh, insulated you are. You got to have the friend that goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Rex, uh, Rexy baby, I know you're cool with the feet, but uh, you know they're doing hard knocks, and uh, you don't want the whole world to. know. You're a fucking pervert. Yeah, maybe keep that one in your wallet, buddy. You need to look at it that bad. Like he's sitting at his desk drawing up plays, 
and it's just, it would take too long to look elsewhere, like open up something to look at his feed. He has to have it on his desk to make sure he has instant access to it. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, things get then things get in the shitter. I need to <laughs> get horny, I guess. Not even like feel uplifted. Weird, right? Owned out. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, Sam uh, Sam is asking all sorts of fucking... people come into his office, he shows it like it's a family picture. <laughs> Do you have a no. picture of your lady's feet? Do you want to compare? Uh, Maybe we could swing? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you send me some? Okay, let's move on. Okay, uh, so Sam laments um, that he's going to die a virgin. I mean, (laughs) and he just wants to hear all about how it was with uh, John's experience. And let's not forget, Sam thinks that Gilly's dead at this point. (laughs) So all he can think about is boning. Like, uh, uh, what a creep. Anyway, um, Sam tries to lawyer up the vows by saying, well, actually, it doesn't say anything against fornication. It just says the nice watchmen can take no wives. And, you know, as long as I don't put a finger uh, finger on it, as long as I don't put a ring on that finger, I can uh, go to Pound Town. No problem. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, so John gives in and describes how what it's like to be with somebody in somewhat a pathetic or poetic fashion. He fails miserably. Um uh, tell Sam to go get some sleep that he will man the, the watch all by himself, which I didn't think that was allowed. I thought they were both supposed to be on patrol. Um, and then we see an owl land on the wall, and we see that it is controlled by a thin, uh, one of the wildlings, and that's how what leads us into the next scene. Yeah, that old horn dog Sam found a loophole, uh, of course. You know, the funny thing is they're so worried about these vows, but my understanding is that Molestown exists solely to service uh, the baser needs of the men at, at the uh, wall. Otherwise, there's no real real reason for that town to exist. I mean, I, I will say it's like, I, I'm not going to go that far. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, y- y- you know, when like a university springs up and like it's the only thing that that town is known for when, if there's nothing else going on. So I think it supports it in several ways. Like it does like trading uh, too. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you know, I think the Night's Watch might buy stuff from it, like grain or some shit. But yes, um, getting rocks off is their big uh, export there. You know, yeah. gotcha. You know, All right. So then we, I like that transition from the uh, owl to the Then War. Yeah, um, we have Tormund telling a story, a bestiality story about trying to bang a bear. I think this might have come up. Actually, have you ever been to that store in the mall, Bang a Bear? <laughs> Bang a Bear, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so uh, anyways, Igor uh, is a spoil sport <laughs> and wants to get the party started. She uh, rehashes some of the old grudges um, and uh, uh, the, why they're mad at the crows, because the crows apparently threw up the wall and then began hunting them for sport. Then and Igret then have some back in uh, the then, I forget his name, the giant one, Magd, I think maybe. Uh, yeah. Mag the Magyar? Mag- no, maybe that's the, the giant. No, uh, sir, the Mag- sir. The Magnar of Then, the, but Magnar, I think, is just a title. It's like, you know, king or something. Gotcha. So I don't remember his name, but he is the ba- Magnar. That, Jesus. Yeah. I feel like such a dork. He's a big hombre. Uh, so he and uh, Egret have some back and forth. Uh, the Then thinks the Egret will try to. Uh, Try to serve Jon Snow up something I prefer not to repeat instead of killing him. Uh, but Egret reiterates her desire to kill Jon Snow herself, telling the Thens and I guess the other wildlings as well that uh, Jon Snow is hers. And if anybody else tries to kill him, that she will kill the person attempting to kill Jon Snow. We uh, see a lady in dark on the ridge, and I'm guessing that's Gilly, although I, I don't know that the shot was entirely clear. Yeah, I assumed it was Gilly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had to look it up. At the time, I remember when this episode came out, I'm like, Ginger Minge, Ginger Minge. And it turns out that Minge is just the fancy British word for vagina. 
You didn't pick that up? Uh, context clues there, Doug? Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I just wanted to make sure. But minge. Yeah. It's It kind of sounds like a curse word when you say it. Like it kind of sticks in your mouth like minge. I don't know. It sounds dirty, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, I think immediately from context clues, I knew what that Okay, meant. listen, I didn't get a fucking yeah. 1400 on my SATs, you piece of shit. So some of us has to look it up on, uh, you know, uh, UrbanDictionary.com if that's still a thing. You don't remember learning the definition of minge in your SAT prep? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you know, there's Bundles some lost in translation. Like it's it means a bundle of some words mean a bundle of sticks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, Sam does some reading, does reading books again, um, and Maester Eamon shows up and basically complains about being old. Um, Eamon brings up the fact that uh, he was in love at one point, um, and that love is the death of duty. Same thing he told John. Um, and he thinks that's why uh, Sam is there reading up on the Wildlings because he wants to find out what the Wildlings perhaps did to Gilly. Um, Eamon says that uh, he was falling all over Pussy at one point when he was the heir apparent to the throne because he was a Targaryen. He still is a Targaryen, I guess. But um, he fell for one girl in particular um, and reminisces about her for a while, saying that uh, she's more real than Sam is and he's standing right there. And then tell Sam to just go the fuck to bed. So I don't know what this really did besides uh, a little bit of uh, time waste. And I do enjoy learning more about Maester Eamon, though. I I think the guy's a good actor. And it is nice to, you know, have this Targaryen representative at the wall uh, to kind of bring more cohesion, I think, to this entirely. It's all the wall, by the way. Spoiler alert. This whole episode takes place at the wall. No other characters. Yeah, and I think actually the, the, this story about him being very popular with the ladies was actually uh, fabricated for the show. I don't remember this in the books. and uh, read online that it was a fabrication. Yeah, I don't remember so, it either. But. Yeah, I'm not sure what it adds, but uh, it wasn't offensive, because probably because it was quick and because there's just so much uh, anticipation building up here um, for all the smashing that's Yeah, not a, not a huge offense here. At all. Right. So Sam exits the library and Gilly is at the gates. Uh, Pip won't open the gate until Sam curses, maybe for the first time in his life. Uh, Gilly and Sam and Junior are okay. Sam apologizes to Gilly and says he won't let the wildling trash uh, get to her any in the future. Then we hear a very large horn and there's a shot of the owl. Transition back to the then warger who says it's time. And there's apparently a, a shot of a very bright light over the ridge, which uh, is a the the largest fire that the North has ever seen. Yeah, so I gotta say that um, it was contrived, but I loved the shit out of a Sam saying, Pip, open the fucking gate. It was great. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the shit out of that. Um, yeah, and we get the traditional, you know, two horn blasts for Wildling. So if you guys know, it's kind of like the rating system here, where it's a little tedious to keep up with, but um, if you pay attention you're rewarded. So one horn blast means ranger re- rangers returning. Two horn blasts mean wildlings. And three horn blasts means, oh fuck, there's zombies or others. Uh, either way, you know, they both are synonymous, I think. But uh, uh, but I like how they didn't explain that. They weren't like, oh, it's two horn blasts. That means wildlings. Like <laughs> we, we, They've yeah. said it at least once, if not twice. So I'm glad that they are rewarding people who pay attention. Yeah, yeah, they could have easily done something where Pip goes, that's two, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So uh, yeah. So the and you know I, I like the shot, but the the idea that that fire could be seen by the people sitting in like that that ditch or crevice on the, on the outside over top of the wall seemed a little bit uh, seemed a little bit wacky. But I don't know. Like, I think I think it could work if there was cloud cover. But that's gar- You know, that's like okay. Yeah. Well, we can't light this fire. It's a clear night. We're gonna have to wait till tomorrow. And then what if it's like clear for a week straight? It's kind of dumb. Um, I don't remember. And and once again, I don't think uh, there was this delay. I think there was this delay built into the show just for this, um, for you know, drama's purposes. I think that Egret uh, and her wildling band attacked. I think right away, and so this battle happened pretty pretty quickly after John like ran away from them. Uh, here it took an entire season to transpire, but mm. um, it's it's fine. I mean, whatever. So, okay, the men in the Night's Watch uh, see this, and they freak out. They start prepping uh, catapults, rolling barrels around, uh, you know, etc. Alistair Thorne's in charge, and he starts barking orders, uh, and then tells John, hey, he was right. They should have sealed the fucking tunnels. Uh, but he, but in a rare, like, kind of genuine teaching moment, he says, uh, if you ever have the luxury of being in charge, you can't second-guess yourself. That's the worst thing you can do. So here he's trying to teach John, which is interesting because he seems to hate his fucking guts at any every turn. Um, uh, then Alistair says they have to work together uh, so they can go on hating each other. John, that is. Uh, Sam then takes Gilly and the baby to a closet uh, downstairs and locks them up. Uh, she wants him to stay, but S- Sam says... He has to be a man, and this is what men do. And then he promises her ridiculously that he will not die. Uh, so that's a kind of a, ne- a wink to the audience that you know makes the audience think, "Man, Sam might die," because that's the kind of shit that happens in The Walking Dead all the fucking time. Somebody's like, yeah. oh, "I love you. I can't wait to start our new life together." You're fucking dead. So I appreciate the misdirection here. Yeah, and uh, Gilly's whining in the scene was uh, Shea-esque, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, it uh, didn't bring much. Pretty annoying, yeah. yeah. So next we go to Pip, and he's preparing uh, bolts to be fired, but he's shaking all over the place. Sam gives him a little pep talk while Pip cries about how he's afraid. Sam, uh, Pip asks Sam whether he was scared or how he was able to defeat the White Walker, and Sam explains how instinct kicks in. Apparently, uh, fight or flight, Sam actually has the fight in him, surprisingly. Uh but, uh, yeah, suddenly uh, I guess Sam's like Don Juan of, of battling or something. He's very smooth. Um, so there's a, an interesting transition going on, I think, for Sam during this this particular episode. And uh, But there wasn't much to that scene other than Pitt being scared and Sam yeah, being... The only thing I wrote here point. is like, geez, Sam's getting a lot of uh, screen time. And they are staying at the wall the entire time. So it's either going to be Sam or John. That's pretty much it. Yeah, and uh, you know, they, I think they also, uh, if they're going to have Pip be killed and have some degree of whoa, resonance, then, whoa, spoiler alert! Yeah, well, then the shop, then they have to kind of remind you who he is and how he's just a scared little boy at the wall. He's never killed anybody, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just kind of just just a quick scene to build up the characters, yep. remind you who everyone is. Just table setting that really doesn't extend outside this episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we get our first look at the army on the northern side of the wall. Um, it's a fuckload of dudes plus some giants and a mammoth they might have multiple mammoths but we only see one uh they step forward from the tree line and yell at the wall kind of like uh you know like braveheart or something uh thorn gives um a drill sergeant speech calling up on calling everybody cunts and etc 
and uh, they're getting ready to, like he says, all right, hold, notch, hold, and get ready to strike. And Gren fucking, I think it's Gren, somebody drops a goddamn barrel off the... Yeah, it's Gren. Yeah, and then it makes him pissed. He's like, God damn it, these bunch of fucking idiots. Noobs. Uh, yeah, these fucking noobs. Uh, so he's like, I told you to just hold. Anyway, we check in on the south side of the castle, and Egrit and her band of wildlings rush the defenders down there. Uh, Alistair hears of this, that they're attacking from the north side, and decides to leave the wall to go attend to the south side invaders, leaving Janus Slint in charge, who immediately <laughs> calls for a flight of arrows. Uh, you know, I guess they were just standing by. He said, notch, and then uh, Alistair Thorne said, pull, draw, notch, whatever. And then tall <laughs> Janus Slint says, shoot the fucking arrows. And, uh, several dudes die, uh, on the tree line. While they're beating their, uh, you know, chests, uh, the wildlings on the north side. But it's only a drop in the bucket, and the remaining thousands that are there are all pumped up, and they're even more jacked up than before. Um, then we check in on the south side, and Pip totally sucks at doing crossbow. Yeah, so there, I did have this. A few things about this bothered me. First, how how was the uh, south side raiding party so goddamn close to the the base? It seems silly. Especially based on their position in that goalie, like if the Night's Watch discovered that, which it easily could have, because uh, Gilly just ran by, or any <laughs> horse rider ran by and sees this fire with a bunch of people screaming at each other. I mean, they could have been easily slaughtered by somebody coming over the top. Yeah, um, I understand uh, that they, the Night's Watch might. I mean, I know this show invention, so I don't remember exactly what happens in the books. But you would think that they could send guys out as scouts to see if the yeah. wild, like when the wildlings are getting close. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like they were taken unawares. Yeah, they, they know the wildlings are, are rampaging around. Um, you know, if somebody was on top of the wall or even riding up the wall, yeah, I don't see how they wouldn't see this fire. But whatever. And plus, um, John is in on the the scheme too. Like, yeah, John was there when he says, "How will I know when to attack?" You know, yeah. I like the biggest fire the North's ever seen. Well, that's the fucking clue. You think John would have uh, shared that? Well, and that also ties into my other question: is if they know they just ma- massacred at Molestown. How are they not? The, how's Night's Watch not more prepared for a potential attack uh, on agree. the on the south side? I guess they got to split up the forces, but you would think, you know, maybe they're, you know, maybe they didn't know it was going to be that coordinated. It was going to happen yeah. at the same time. I'm, I'm just giving him. But uh, I, I thought guess. that was the plan uh, that John would have known. But I did like the uh, the shots of the the wilding army, the giants, the mammoth, completely badass. Yep. Scale, scale of the army is is really really cool. Um, just really great shots. Uh, just some, sometimes the silliness bothers me, um, but just the scale of this and the the, the initial s- visions of, of the, the the army, really cool stuff. I think it looked great too. I mean, it was nighttime yeah. on snow. Uh, you know, like it, it did a good job of having that like full moon kind of light. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't look, it didn't look cheap. I mean, this looked yeah. fucking pretty. Yeah, it looked movie quality. So, and this is actually the I thought Thorn. Um, Thorne also kind of steps up where you realize Thorne might be a kind of a jerk all the time, but he actually knows what he's doing. Right. And, and this is, uh, this is important stuff. And he's actually a fairly good leader. He knows that he, the men down on the, at the base level are, are going to be overwhelmed unless somebody goes down there who's actually a badass. So, well, he's, he's one he's of just, these rare guys. And I, I say uh, this, this is missing from almost all form, not all forms of uh, all manufactured leadership. Um, somebody who is not willing to lead from the front lines, you know, yeah. 
you got a lot of people, you know, I'm sure in your corporate structure, wherever you work, who just, you know, are leaders because they proclaim it and not because people follow them or because they're just put in a position of power. And uh, Alistair Thorne backs it up. He's just like, he's one of these people that, listen, uh, if I want something done right, I have to do it myself. That's unfortunately how it's going to happen. So he might overextend. Uh, maybe he should delegate, but in this case, he has no one to delegate to. He delegates to fucking Jana Slint, who obviously is a, you know, toolbox. So yeah, well, that, that that's definitely a failure of leadership right there. Right. But, um, but yeah, I kind of liked it. I didn't mind his speech as well. So um, and actually, a moment where I did not hate Thorn in his character. So right, uh, and I even wrote that at some point. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you feel for Thorn for the I think the first time ever. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. So next, uh, 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 Thorne arrives at the base of the uh, Night's Watch for a speech. Says the wall has never fallen. Typical xenophobia calls the Thens creeps and uh, cannibals. Um, and uh, apparently, there's been no wildlings, or the wildlings are breaching the wall. Uh, and the uh, a massive sword fight begins. Kind of hard to describe the action, but I will say uh, Tormin was absolutely wrecking. Uh, he easily was going to get the play of the game. Yeah. And we also see uh, Pip and Sam kind of scamper away. But other than that, just a lot of uh, – I, th- I thought it was really well-coordinated sword fighting. Um, not too over the top. Everything looked realistic. Uh, a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Uh, I wrote I – wrote, the only note I have is they're setting Torment up to be some kind of superhuman here. Uh, and, but some of their fighting wasn't like – I don't know if it was in this particular scene, but like – Sometimes it was just Tormund like hacking away at a guy as he cowered underneath a shield, and it didn't look like well choreographed, like uh, you know, like it was episode one with the fucking Jedi's and everything was pretty and they were spinning and stabbing. It was like just brutal, like just hacking. Um, looked, I dare I say, realistic. I don't know. It just it 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 seemed to be done well. Yeah, I mean, you would think that there'd be a bunch of uh, the the lesser. Uh, forces would be on the ground floor, for instance, Pippin and Sam, as opposed to on the top of the wall, because uh, apparently they are not aware of the potential threat from the south, which, again, is stupid, but still. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that also speaks to uh, how Thorne needs to get down there and take get, take care of business as well. But also another, I thought it was another good speech by Thorne um, yep. as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, once again, he's, yeah, they're setting him up to be, uh, to think twice about him, which is the whole, you know, gray characters is what uh, Germ is all about. So they they did a good job here. All right. So at this point, the massive Northside army finally begins to charge. Um, on the wall, Slint is overcome with self pity, complaining about like I, I, you know, I was the commander of the city. Basically, basically complaining out loud, uh, you know, but everybody's hearing him. Like he, he like he's talking to himself. Uh, John says that they have to do something, um, and says there's giants out there and Slint says, I don't believe in giants they are made up and, and everybody's looking at him like, what? Like, I, obviously they could probably see the giants. I would think from that high, <laughs> like what? There's a bunch of, there's a thousand dudes. And then there's like a giant elephant with a giant person on top. I don't know. Um, but Gren lies and says that Alistair needs him down below. He eagerly, uh, Slint that is accepts his opportunity to get the fuck out and John starts barking out orders which uh, I mean being in charge basically means telling people to shoot arrows at this point but uh, he yeah. does it so uh, we see some wildlings begin to climb the wall um, and some night uh, you know 
John says that takes a day and somebody else says that these guys are more motivated. So they send out dudes who lean over the edge of the wall to shoot arrows down, uh, which I'll talk about in a second. (laughs) John calls for more arrows to be fired. Some of them are actually on fire. Uh, They hit a few people. Um, uh, But the wildlings try to return fire, but they can't because the wall is just too goddamn high. Except for the giant. One of the giants shoots an arrow, and it's as big as a javelin. Shoots two of them. It's cartoonishly... uh, breaks apart some kind of uh, structure at the top of the wall and nails a guy, knocking him off, and he falls into the courtyard below where the south side uh, fighting is in full swing and a pretty great transition, I think. Yeah, I agree. I thought the the shot of the giant hitting with the arrow was really cool looking. Um, You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, just great stuff. Uh, the, The arrow is really badass. I just... I don't, I don't know what else to say other than I really enjoy this, and it's really again, it's difficult to describe the uh, what's going on uh, battles on the screen, but yeah. Cool. So m- one thing uh, with the guys leaning out over the edge to shoot arrows straight down—that's okay. stupid. But that was kind of stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> just drop. You know what? Just drop pieces of ice down. Just yeah. Cut off just a, drop anything because yeah. the terminal velocity of like anything. All right. Which uh, which uh, I was would saying be would deadly. be deadly. Yeah. Exactly. But you don't want to waste any kind of. So, you know what the thing you don't have in short supply is? Fucking ice. Chisel out some blocks of ice and just drop it on the guys that are climbing. Number two, why the fuck are those idiot climbers climbing right where all the dudes are concentrated above the hole in the wall? Why not like a mile down the road where no one can see well, them? I was going to bring that up for the Skype. <laughs> yeah, yes. well, well, I'm the, bringing the, it up now. Is, the, the, that whole thing is unbelievably stupid. Yeah. Um, why they, because we know that there's miles and miles of this thing that's unprotected. Why would they not attack the miles and miles of unprotected instead the one area where they know, they know it's, it, it, it's manned, uh, through Jon Snow talking to Mance Raider. So Absolutely ridiculous and dumb. So in the books, did this, did this happen? I don't remember. All I remember is the one thing I took away from the books is the assault on the wall took several days. Like they beat them back like several times. Uh, that's mm-hmm. all I remember about it, you know. I I, I should have reread this uh, battle. I'm sure it was great in the books. I I remember. Very I, yeah, well. I don't recall it at all. Um, but you know, reading something like this, it's definitely not as striking as uh, actually seeing it. Oh know? yeah, I mean this this got yeah. my blood up, and I you know I've seen this at least twice before. So um, it's great uh, great portrayal uh, portrayal of action on the. Uh, screen here especially you know you yeah. consider it's a goddamn tv show once again yeah. we hold this to such a high standard we we are ashamed of this show for sure but you know usually most of our shamefulness is uh you know concentrated into one particular aspect of why the show is shameful other than that we criticize the show kind of a goof but uh yeah i mean it's just this is like i've said it before like motion picture quality uh action cgi effects uh, acting, no it's question. Great. Yeah, great shit. All right, so next we have the uh, we're back to the south of the wall. The battle rages on. Seems like the wildlings are getting the best of it. Uh, Egret is making a case for receiving the play of the game. Uh, Slint emerges from the elevator and scampers away to hide with Gilly. Uh, again, a lot of cool fighting here, but very hard to describe what's going on. Other than it appears the wildlings are are doing are winning and also. Apparently there are ten times as many people at Castle Black than actually uh, we thought there were, based on the number of casualties yeah. and the length of this battle going on and on and on. Yeah. Um, but I'll forgive that though. 
Absolutely, yeah, and that's the thing. In order to have a good, you know, a really good uh, horror movie or anything like that, you got to have enough people to get killed. So it's it's got to happen. But you got to think that Egrits, based on what we see here, and I really like this first person shooter perspective of her. You got to think that she's a Hanzo main. Oh, definitely. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've I've read uh, that she, you know, it is kind of odd that she is the only wilding woman on this raiding party. And really, I think she's one of the few wildling women that we see hey, fight throughout the course of the show. There's a glass ceiling in the wildling world as well. I mean, she's breaking yeah. through, but it's not like it's a normal thing. Right. She only gets paid 70% of the, uh, the cow. <laughs> yeah. the or the um, or, but, or Ollie's parents. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Yeah, but I, I read, though, that she is supposed to be like a... Um, she's like a bow and arrow prodigy. Like, she's preternaturally incredible with the bow and arrow. Which will kind of explain why she's the sole woman on the, the rating party and also one of the sole women who are fighting. Yeah, and I don't think she is in the books at all. I think there were several the you know, it's not a big deal, like they're just spear wives, they call them. Uh women that are just married to a weapon instead of uh, a dude. Um mm-hmm. women soldiers. So it's not like she's rare for for wildling in the books at all. I don't know if she's the only a woman on this particular raid because it's been a it's been a while. Been a while. Yep. Well, actually, you know, in the books, uh, now now I'm recalling some details. The the actually Molestown wasn't like completely slaughtered in the books. Um, I think Molestown, most of the people fled up to Night's Watch, and they actually joined yeah. Night's Watch in the battle, and uh, including some of the prostitutes. I think there was a prostitute who was really good with a crossbow. Yeah, I think his name is his name is Satin. It's a it's a male prostitute, and uh, he goes no, on Doug. to be a steward Doug, to John Snow. This. What? Oh, okay. I thought you were making like a, a joke about uh, an inappropriate joke. So I apologize. No, Jesus Christ. It, the guy's <laughs> name, well, you know, you can blame George R. R. Martin, but the guy's name in the book is called Satin. Yeah. And he is a male prostitute. Terrific. And he's very good with a crossbow. Unlike Pip, who finally kills a dude with his crossbow. Uh, Sam gives him shit. He's like, oh, are they all dead? And Pip's like, no. He's like, well, then keep going, dumbass. Um,. Uh, and then, you know, Egret uh, shoots Pip in the neck, and Sam is comforting him, blood squirting out everywhere. Uh, Sam tells Pip it's going to be all right. Spoiler alert, I don't think it's going to be all right. Um, on the north side, John and crew are dropping barrels on the attackers below, uh, killing a lot of them. Um, but a giant gets there, hooks up uh, like some kind of wench to uh, a mammoth, and they start a yanking on the wall. Uh, John tells his good uh, friends to go die defending the gate because a bunch of giants are going to try to get in there. Uh, particularly Gren, he sends along. Um, oh, and I'm pretty sure Pip is dead. Yes, he is. <laughs> Pip is very dead. Yeah, this is pretty brutal um, killing a Pip. Uh, arrow right through the neck. But um, So the fight continues to look bad for the uh, the people on the south of the wall. Uh, suddenly, Tormund and Thorn begin fighting. Uh, Tormund is it's a pretty good back and forth, but Tormund is able to injure Thorn across the stomach while uh, Thorn just keeps yelling at him, defend the wall, defend the wall. Uh, we transition to Sam holding Pip. Uh, Sam picks up the crossbow and then fatly tries to run across the courtyard of the uh, of Castle Black. A then charges to him, but he's able to load the crossbow, kill the then, and then hide behind a barrel. Um, 
Sam uh, tells uh, Sam wants more men down at the bottom. He tells Gren. Gren tells him to ask John, who's in command, up on the top of the wall. Uh, Sam makes Ollie send him up in the elevator while telling this child to go fight grown men. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking like Ollie's operating this wench. Uh, you know, I don't know how long it takes for anyone to go from the bottom all the way up on a chain to the top of the wall. But you got to think it's it's a lot of effort and a long time. And then when you think that guy is a little bit overweight, <laughs> Ollie's got to be. He's got to be hurting. He should look up. It should be like, uh, do you remember um, Conan the Barbarian where he was on like the, the wheel and he just like it was a skinny child and then uh, transitioned and he's beefed up Arnold Schwarzenegger just jacked up and shredded. I'm pretty sure that's what they should have done with Ollie. Like, uh, once he started lifting Sam's ass all the way up there. But yeah, I like how he's just like, uh, just like how, uh, what's his name? The, uh, guy rowing the boat. What the hell's his oh, name? Oh yeah. Uh, Gendry. Gendry. Yeah. He's going to show up. And he's going to be the rock in season seven. <laughs> season. But yeah, Ollie still telling Ollie the sack up, which obviously has, uh, dire consequences later on. Uh, we'll see. But, um, uh, yeah. yeah, just it's just you're right. It's just hard to describe all this fighting. So go watch this if you're if you haven't watched the show. That's ridiculous. So yes, it's going to be very weird. Okay, um, so back on the north side, uh, they are dropping flaming barrels, which explode on impact on the people trying to breach the wall below, uh, killing a bunch of dudes and scaring off a mammoth who flees on fire. One of the giants. Run to go chase him down and is speared from behind by a giant javelin launching thing. Um, that makes the other giant there really angry. And we all know when you're really angry, you can do anything. And he lifts up the gate with pure rage. Meanwhile, at the top, one of the barrels, uh, flaming barrels that they sent down got stuck on the log flume or thing that they're trying to sit down uh, send down to kill people and some idiot is trying to jam a uh some kind of rod into it trying to free it and of course you know he ends up dying because it explodes lots of folks get hurt or fall to their deaths uh sam arrives at the top says that the castle will fall if they don't get more dudes down there um uh and help the south side battle john decides to go down there and lead just like alistair thorne bef- before him and he gives uh, Dolores, command of the wall, which, you know, is probably not a good idea. Uh, b- and once again, being in command mainly involves telling people to shoot their arrows in a somewhat systematic way. Uh, below, the giant has gotten through uh, the gate and into the tunnel, and Gren is there with a bunch of dudes, and Gren is uh, trying to give them uh, some backbone because they're probably going to die by having them recite their Night's Watch vows. Yeah, there's a lot of delegation going on here. It's kind of crazy. Uh, really, you, the yeah, you would think there'd be some kind of structure. Down. They'd be like, uh, you know, you know, the army have very clearly, you know, a chain of command. Here, it's not so clear. No, and it just keeps getting. Lo- I mean, I, I don't think Dolores Ed is uh, anything other than just a foot soldier. Some I don't dude. know how he's in charge all of a sudden, but. Um, but so uh, John arrives at the base camp and uh, he just starts killing everything he sees. Uh, the scale, obviously, we talked about this a little earlier. Uh, the the number of people that are still alive here is uh, kind of stupid, but whatever. Uh, actually, incredible 360 degree yep. sweeping shot of Castle Black. I mean, one of the coolest things. I read that it took seven takes, um, and I think they. Oh gosh, 
I read some other interesting facts, but they're not coming hey, to Hey, whatever. But, it's, it's a very, yeah. I mean, you don't need to know anything more. I mean, just staring at it was uh, impressive. Yeah, it's just impressive. Yeah. So uh, Sam then goes and opens the door for a ghost who starts eating a dude. Not entirely clear why they had ghost locked up. That makes little to no sense Zero. other than, I guess, they were expecting the uh, the attack from the south. Or maybe Alistair Thorne's still a dick about it. Yeah, he's that's the reason possible. he had to get locked up. Yep. Uh, and I, I was surprised that we didn't see more ghost attack, uh, but I guess it's probably a, uh, a, a monetary issue. Yep. Uh, NPCs are falling left and right uh, with John, and then suddenly John and the giant then, his name is Istir, I looked it up, S-T-Y-R, are in a battle. Uh, Egret sees it and is apparently upset. She uh, parkour down uh, to the ground level. The Thet is able to dis- disarm John in his uh, little hand-to-hand combat. The Thet appears to be winning until John puts a hammer on his head. The, the shot class has really paid off. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to the sprawling shot. I mean, it was it was great, and not only was it terrific, the music was good too. There was like original music. It wasn't the bear and the maiden mm-hmm. fair or the theme song from the fucking show. There was this, you know, frantic cello playing in some weird sequence, and you get this bass, wow, you know, like you get in a yeah. movie trailer. But here it was just, it was effective. It was very cool. It seemed like people were getting their ass kicked. Um, looked very, it, it just looked great. It was one of the better shot, maybe the best shot in this show. Um, and then I realized at this point when John was fighting Stir, uh, that this was uh, the guy from Rome. It's uh one of the, Titus Pujols maybe or uh I don't know the guy's name but he was Did you the, say Titus Pujol? Pujols, the guy that plays baseball and that was on Rome. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's the guy from Rome. Like there's two dudes from Rome. It's the redhead from Grey's Anatomy. Uh thanks wife for making me know Wait, that. What? Did who, you ever watch HBO's uh Rome? I never watched Rome. Oh, Rome was on Rome. Uh, so this the redhead guy. I haven't seen him in any other things besides. Uh, Giants no, he's just in Rome, and he's in Grey's Anatomy. But his partner on the show is Stir Magnar of the Thens, and this guy's been in a bunch of stuff. He's been like a bad guy several times. He was the Punisher. Um, Stir has. Yeah, he Are you was sure about that. A hundred percent. Okay. So uh, I think it was the most recent Punisher, which might have been about eight years ago. Not Thomas Jane, not Dolph Lundgren, but this guy. Uh, I'll double check while you're talking, but I'm pretty sure that. No, I'm, you're I'm, you're wrong. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm right. I actually I was looked him up, and the guy this was the guy's first English language um, role. So, Yuri. So I'm pretty sure you're Close wrong, football. but we're we're gonna continue, and I'll fact check in a second. Anyway, okay. uh, this this the scene where John famously gets. His head bashed into an anvil and is just okay with it. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's it's funny because I'll I'll watch like things talking about the show and people still talk about it like unrelated. But yeah, it's a little ridiculous for John's head to get smashed into an anvil and then for John to kill somebody with a hammer. Uh, I mean, both are realistic ways to die, but one being the anvil to the face. You know, you're gonna you're, you're gonna at least be have like a permanent speech impediment or something. You can't have your head go <laughs> at any kind of serious velocity into an anvil and be okay with it. It's ridiculous. No, probably not. Uh, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Probably 
probably the best shot in the show. Uh, I can't think of anything else offhand um, nope. on that scale. Certainly, I mean, there's been more shocking moments or maybe more visually interesting moments. Uh, one that comes to mind is Haman leaping off the balcony. Um, but this oh, yeah, one, I, sure. I think, top to bottom, uh, probably the best shot. Very cool stuff. All right, where do we go now? I think that uh, you're up, boss. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. I looked it up, and yeah, you're right. It is some guy, Yuri Jackoff. But it looks a lot like that guy from Rome. I swear to God, they could have subbed him in, no problem. Uh, So I apologize, dicks. Uh, After this, uh, John... After John kills uh, the Magnarth, then he comes face to face with the Grit, who aims a bow and arrow right at his face, and she hesitates when he smiles at her like an idiot, um, just long enough for her to get murdered by uh, Ollie, which once again Ollie is just avenging his parents' murder. Egret herself killed Ollie's parents, so I guess it's okay. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, there's supposed to be, I mean, the show, I think this was supposed to be really uh, emotional. We're supposed to feel terrible about it, and it's supposed to have a lot of impact. But, you know, I really started to feel like the wildlings are pieces of garbage in the last couple episodes. Well, that's that's the problem. We You're supposed to feel conflicted. I I mentioned this last week, uh, but particularly with Egret. So we might have forgotten that Egret shot Ollie's dad right in front of him and probably your mom, too. But, and they uh, deserve it for having Ollie anyway. Yeah, I know. That kid is such a piece of shit. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but then we get Egret killing uh, women um, uh, in in Molestown, uh, just being yeah. a piece of shit there, too. So, like, uh, and she killed Pip. So, like, you don't feel conflicted about her anymore. You're starting to slip into the negative, I would think. Just because John was in love with her, uh, I don't think it forgives all this heinous shit that she's doing, so... No, and as much as she wants to say about uh, about the the north or the um, the southerners coming up north and just slaughtering them, I don't think we've really seen that on the show. I think we've seen the opposite. Right. It seems like if anything, the the south would rather just leave the wildlings alone and have nothing to do with them. I mean, the wildlings are the ones forcing the issue. Now, whether they're justified in that because of history and also the threat to their society—that's a different question. But. I think we only see the Northerners really being the, the complete pieces of shit vis-a-vis the other side of the hey, wall. I don't want to get political on this show, okay? I don't want to relate it to now or anything like that. So let's move on. Okay, very good. All right, so uh, this whole thing... Um, uh, oh, actually, I think it's your turn. Yeah. Oh, wait, so wait, wait. Before, before, of- no, right before, I forgot to yeah. uh, talk about Egret dying. Of course, they make it flowery and emotional. She lays dying and laments that they should have never left the cave... Um, where they did all their fucking, and she gets in one last, uh, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Yeah. Yeah, they used the slow motion. The After the episode, they kind of discussed how they normally don't use slow motion because they think it's cheesy. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> going, oh, Jeez. you guys think it's cheesy. Or like, yeah. sl- uh, no, they said something like uh, uh, lazy storytelling, I think, or something. like. No, that's what they said about flashbacks, but it was very similar. Yes. This was just uh, cheesy, which, I mean, d- just like the hubris of complaining about other director's techniques. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyways, uh, so I, I, I did think the slow motion worked pretty well in that. But I, I just, I don't, I, I just, I lost uh, my emotions in terms of, uh, in terms of Egret. Me for, too. For, I mean, I, I, I felt nothing. Yeah. I'm I'm empty inside. So next we go back to the top of the wall. Uh, the wildland climbers are making progress up the wall when Ed orders 
a giant anchor. I think it's called the the scythe raised and drops. Um, it wrecks. It's a really cool shot, even though complete show invention. Uh, but I really, I really like that shot. Yeah. Also makes you wonder why they didn't do that earlier. Also makes you wonder why these idiots are climbing the what the one one hundredth of the wall that's manned at this point. Uh, Ed then declares that the wildlings have had enough for one night. They appear to be retreating, and uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I I'll agree with you hundred percent. It looked cool. I like the yeah. fact that it was hidden under ice like it hadn't been used in a long time but i gotta say it is probably the single dumbest part of this whole whole show of this whole episode so number one you i mean it only cleaves i don't know 10 15 foot of wall uh so in order to kill the guys with the actual scythe part they'd have to be precisely in that range uh you know if they were below it or above it, they wouldn't get cut in half. Now, they might still fall from the raining debris. Yeah, which, I think that's the larger point. I agree, but of course, yeah. the scythe itself hacks a whole bunch of dudes in half when we have a, you know, a hand or an arm still connected to like a, whatever, an ice climbing hook or whatever, whatever it is. Which, actually, that was a pretty cool shot, too. Of course, it, it looked cool yeah. as shit, but it's so dumb. Uh, plus, <laughs> like, in order to be that precise, they'd have to practice with it, and obviously they haven't used it if it's covered over with ice. But, yes, it's still fucking cool looking, so I'll forgive yeah. it. Um, oh, yeah, and uh, at this point, um, uh, all the wildlings on the south side have been defeated. Tormund's still putting up a fight, but John quickly puts an end to it by shooting him with a crossbow in the leg. Uh, tells him to put him in chains, uh, and I'm thinking, well, wouldn't a hospital be more appropriate? Because the guy has a yeah. fuckload of arrows in him. Yeah, where's the Geneva Convention? <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's that's the end of that scene, I guess. But um, So then we move on. Sam goes to find Gilly, and she's nearly attacked. Um, uh, he's nearly attacked by her with a piece of meat. Uh, but you know, everything's okay. And they embrace, it turns out that, uh, Janice Slint was in there cowering in the corner. Uh, later outside, Sam tells, uh, John that this was a great victory and John downplays it all. John knows that, um, even though they won this night, they're just going to send more dudes. They have a thousand more, uh, than their number. So it's, it's not like this is the end of anything or they did anything. Um, and, um, he says the only he's got to do something, and he says he's going to go out there and talk to uh, Mance. Um, he knows if he takes out Mance, the whole endeavor will crumble, uh, and he's going to try to kill him. Sam says that John will likely get killed as well, and John agrees, but he says there's no other choice. There's no better plan. Uh, they're all going to die anyway, so it doesn't matter if John dies a little bit earlier. Um on the way to go see Mance, John and Sam head through the tunnel, um, and they see the aftermath of uh, Gren uh, and his buddies dead, and also the giant that was trying to breach the wall uh, dead as well. Uh, you know, and he gives them, uh, I guess, like a posthumous high five for holding the uh, gate. Uh, and John tells Sam to burn their bodies and then to raise the gate and close it behind him. Uh, and he leaves, um, uh, and Sam pleads with him to come back, but he solemnly leaves the wall 
or leaves the safety of the wall and uh, heads north. And that's how we uh, end the episode. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't. It was very confusing, I think, when I first watched it because I didn't know what John's plan was. Um, which you, in retrospect, after actually seeing it, then it makes some degree of sense. I mean, if you just go kill uh, Mance, then it's probably over for the most part. But, you know, the number of people that were killed on Night's Watch versus, um, you know, the the actual threat posed by the people north of the wall, I would think they'd con- continue to hold out if they, especially if they were able to obtain some degree of backup. But um, that wouldn't make sense for the progress of the show. So Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I mean, there are two other man towers on the wall: uh, Shadow Tower and East Watch by the Sea. Just basically other towers full of Night's Watch dudes, and uh, you would think they would get some kind of reinforcements. But once again, it's a TV show; they have to make it simple. Yeah. And uh, or, or anybody would come help them, which obviously happens at a later point. Right. Uh, spoiler alert. Okay, we did talk about spoilers for this episode, but uh, uh, spoilers <sighs> for the rest of the season might uh, might be afoot. Okay, so let's uh, get to it. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Like I said, uh, not even D&D's uh, dialogue could have ruined this. Just exciting, uh, engaging stuff. I didn't even, it didn't even feel like an hour. Um, no, not at all. This one went by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just great stuff. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it a 4.5. I will give it the same rating, Doug. Okay. And in sandwich form, I'm going to give that a, um, ooh, I don't know, a cold quick combo that's free. You know, like where you get to the... Yeah, yeah well, no, you know, it's it's pretty good because it's free. Yeah, but <laughs> you just spend the $6 and get a good sandwich. I, that's obsessed six- with free food baffles me. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's it's pretty good on its own. You know, maybe it's a three, but if you get that for Unless free, that's a big win. No, no freeness <laughs> does not add deliciousness to food. <laughs> okay, so you give me a sandwich alternative. Uh, uh, gosh, chicken finger sub from Publix. I think you've used that before, but I'll accept it. Okay, uh, four point five. That's that's once again, it doesn't get any better than this. Oh, it probably does. But um, <laughs> this is, you know, I guess this is the kind of shit that if you were trying to get a friend into Game of Thrones and they just had to watch a random episode uh, and you had like, it, you didn't even, have, you don't need a lot of time to even explain the situation because it's not as sprawling and there's not a lot of political intrigue going on here. Uh, I think you'd do it. And this, I think, would, would be a great representation of what the show can be. When it's fine, oh, and they'll also be very disappointed when they watch every other episode from season yes. four. <laughs> yeah. and like I thought, yeah. there were supposed to be tits in this show. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I heard Sam talk about him. That's for sure. Oh, uh, and the feet. Okay, yeah. uh, and then we're gonna wrap up season like four. Apple pie. Ugh, just stop. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna wrap up season four next week, and it'll be the one year ding 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 anniversary of this show. Uh, episode 52 we're gonna have something special we what if i told you we're gonna have someone who is on the show on this podcast say you're a liar yeah well it's not i mean it said what if i told you that i'm not going to tell you that um so it's just gonna be me and brian it's just gonna be like any other episode but it's gonna be a one-year anniversary that's gonna be well you know what we'll do is we won't inflict your man on anyone well i'll see if he can call in maybe don't you dare okay uh thanks a lot guys for joining us uh you know keep those reviews coming we can't get enough of them on itunes they're all five stars and uh we've got a ton of them so thank you very much uh and uh if there's nothing else brian uh this is doug saying 
Thank you guys and see you next Tuesday. Thank you. Peace.